Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That music can only mean one thing. It's time to talk about Ryan Archidiacono. What a gamer. Joining us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline to talk about Ryan Archidiacono, the Alpamonte Ford Hotline, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from, David Schuster. Hi, David. I got to be honest with you, Steve. In my unscripted script, uh, Ryan Archidiacono was not going to come up at all. So. He's nails. He's nails, buddy. He's nails. He's nails. Somebody's got to be on the floor to not shoot when Kobe... Is uh, needing all the ball, all needing the ball all the time, needing all the shots, and needing all of that. So David is the host of the pregame, postgame, <laughs> halftime show here on the Score uh, when the Bulls play. They played last night and they beat the Pistons again. Derrick Rose helps the Bulls to a win. Well, he did. He did force a couple shots at the end of the game, and and he actually he had a bad foul that he realized after the fact that he should not have taken that foul because Detroit was already in the bonus situation. And you know, I've been around Derrick Rose for a long time. You don't hear him swear too often, but in that instance, yeah, there was a couple expletives that were coming out of his mouth, realizing that he made a mistake. Um, but last night, guys, you know, you don't often say this about a sporting event, no matter what the price of a ticket is. But I think all the fans in attendance, no matter how much they paid, got they got their money's worth in last night's game. The Bulls won, so if you're a Bulls fan, of course, you got your money's worth from that standpoint. And if you're a Derrick Rose fan, you certainly got your money's worth um, from him because he really did have a good game overall. Standing ovation when he came into the game, the chance of the MVP. Andre Drummond is just an absolute monster on the inside. 25 points, 24 rebounds. Zach Levine scoring early and then even more importantly scoring late. Otto Porter Jr., his best game. And Wendell Carter Jr., even though Andre Drummond had a monster game, he had a double-double of his own. So I think everybody got their money's worth. Yeah, let's put aside just for a moment the cold dead heart of my sports radio partner today and and ask you about those Derrick Rose uh, good feelings in the building because you know boy we, we all lived through that saga and just how ugly it got and have we come back around to uh I mean what's the percentage of love within the building for Derrick Rose because we've tried to gauge that kind of thing with sports radio and text lines for a long time and the truth is in that building the love was very, very much there, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if it would be 100% of the people in attendance last night, Maddie, but yeah, I think it was fairly unanimous that Derrick Rose was showered with love last night. I think he appreciated it, and, and I sort of get it. I mean, listen, four, five, six years ago, whenever it was when he you know, left here, um, I don't think those people in the building would have showered him with the same love that they've given him, but I think everybody realizes that the kid, is not a kid anymore, by the way, has gone through a lot over the last 
dozen years. I mean, he blew me away yesterday when we talked to him yesterday morning. He said, well, 12 years later, that's a quick 12 years. I can't believe he's been in the league that long, but he has. And uh, he's gone through a lot, a lot of injuries. He can still play. There's no question about it. And the Bulls were definitely trying to get him out of uh, the Pistons offense last night. They were double teaming him, especially in the fourth quarter, but he still ended up with 23 points and I can't remember eight or nine assists, whatever it was. He can still play and he can still contribute to his team. And the Bulls made him pass to Tony Snell. That was it. Wasn't yeah. just the foul he gave with no fouls to give, but he passed to Tony Snell, of all people, when you need a three. That is that's the biggest. That was that and Zach Levine shooting were the biggest reasons the Bulls were able to pull that thing out. So can I can I can I say that Tony Snell did not get the same love being a former Bulls player as Derrick Rose did last night? He was night? the only one in the Bull. Yeah, the only former Bull who did not. So Zach Levine. <laughs> Has We always knew he wasn't afraid to take those shots. He's going to take those shots. He took those shots. Those shots went down. Now, he shows up, but in the fourth quarter for the second consecutive game, Lowry Markinen does not, cannot, combination of that. And it seemed like he was going to be out of the game before he started twisting his back and, and being hurt. Um, how does Jim Boylan, since this, this is what that season this season was about, it's the fourth quarter of Lowry and and Zach, and you're only getting half of that the last couple of games. What do you make of all this? Well, what I make out of it is only it's a two-game stretch, so I'm not going to go crazy over a two-game stretch. Oh, you stretch. have to overanalyze no, it, David. you want me to. You want me Scream, to, Rosie, David. but I don't, I don't always follow your script. Yeah. Um, I would anticipate that Lowry Markkinen will be in the fourth quarter of games a major majority of the rest of the season, but he wasn't last night or the night before. He is definitely hurting. He's, he's wearing those... Those I don't know what those those black things uh, stripes on his shoulder, which yeah, basically is holding it. Yeah, the tape. Yeah. So there is something physically wrong with him. Last night, you know, and to be honest with you, Thaddeus Young was playing well. And if 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 uh, Markkinen was not a hundred percent, and Thaddeus Young was contributing, of which he did, I think he had what eight points, nine rebounds, whatever it was. I mean, he was definitely contributing and playing defense as well. I'm okay. It's a two game stretch, so I'm not going to go crazy about this at all. Uh, what do we what do we feel about Lowry Markkinen's long term potential these days, David? I, I mean, I love what I see sometimes offensively, often offensively, but defensively, the limitations are such that I wonder how high the ceiling is overall for a player like this. You know, it, it's a good question, Maddie, and and I think the jury is still out on on the answer to that question. I'm not a hundred percent sure myself. I mean. I mean, if you take the very first game of the season against Charlotte, I mean, he was fantastic. He scored, what, 35 points and was hitting everything from the outside. Then in the very next game, he decided, I'm just going to sit on the three-point perimeter. By the way, in the first game, he was going to the basket, and he was aggressive doing so. Then the next two games, he was just passive and and staying on the outside. Again, physically, I don't know how he felt, you know, in those two games. So really, you know, you're just not 100% sure what he is capable of on a consistent basis, and that's really the mark of a really good player or a star or a superstar player in the NBA is consistency at a high level. So really the jury is out. Now, he's 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 got seven-foot frame. There's no question about it. He could still put some more muscle on. There's no way he's going to be able to guard some guys in the middle like, like Andre Drummond would just eat him up on the inside, a guy like that. So, I mean, he's going to have to be matched up defensively against certain players that he can defend against unless he puts on some more weight on his body. Uh, offensively, I'd just like to see him go to the basket more. And there's an old adage in basketball, you know, make make a close-in shot before you start hitting your outside shots. And sometimes I'd like to see him do more of that. 
You know, Wendell Carter Jr. was <laughs> um, as as selfless as he has been. He apparently has listened to the coaches who said, "Be a little more selfish. Take those shots on the roll. You get those shots. Don't always look for the for the next pass." And now he's got 15 points or more in the last three games for the first time in his career. So there's progress there, I believe. And and I do too. And, and, but and even you know, I just said about Markin, and the jury's still out. I think easily you yeah. can say the same thing about Wendell Carter Jr. I yeah. mean, he hasn't played a full season yet in the NBA, <laughs> missing half of it last year, and he's had a bunch of injuries. He's still bothered by that thumb, by the way. So he's not at a hundred percent either. He puts up a double-double yesterday with 16 points and 11 boards. Now, again, he was dwarfed by the numbers by Andre Drummond, but most players are who go against him. But still, Carter did his job yesterday. I mean, you know, who knows? If, if Carter's not in there, Drummond might have had a 30-30 game or more. Um, so Wendell Carter is being more aggressive. He, he's got that, I don't know, that 10 to 12 to 15-foot shot that he can take because he's going to be left open a lot. And he definitely is a good offensive rebounder. So... You know, he, he definitely fits into this roster. These guys just need to play a lot more. They need to stay healthy, and they need to be on the court all at the same time. There was a great moment last night when Derrick Rose is um, is in, is not not the concourse, but down there underneath um, mm-hmm. uh, what, what the bowels. The bowels of the United <laughs> Center. Thank you. And and he runs into Joakim Noah, and Joakim Noah's little daughter is there. And there's a great little thing there. They say hello, they hug, and Joe turns to his daughter and says, say hello to your Uncle Derek. Say hello to your mm-hmm. uncle. And that's it's, it's life, man. I mean, you know, yeah. we're 12 years past Derek as a rookie, and I loved Joe as a player and seemingly a, a great, interesting guy. It was nice to see them just kind of interacting as humans last night. Nice to see that. Nice to see when Joakim, with his daughter on his lap, was put, uh, was on the video board. Mm-hmm. I think it was in the third quarter of last night's game, and he got a nice ovation from the crowd as well. Listen, the, both those guys gave a lot of cheers to the fans when they were in Bulls uniform, so I totally get that. And you're right. This is what, what, what you saw after the game. And Derek, by the way, was getting hugs all over the place. I mean, he's got a lot of friends in that body from workers who have worked at the United Center for, for a long time, members of the media, believe it or not, and, and other people in the surroundings. So, yeah, it was really heartwarming to certainly see that moment, and there were a lot of other moments like that last night as well. Did you see a movie this week, David? I did. I did. I saw the movie Black and Blue. It's about a female African-American policewoman who gets sort of in trouble seeing something that she didn't want to see. Um, and then she's got to go against uh, the police force, which is very corrupt. And But she also has to go against her own community that is looking at her through a very strange eye, if you will. So it was one of the most predictable movies you'll ever see. I can't say it was good. I can't say it was bad. It was sort of right down the middle. So it's it sounds like it's Herpico. It's, it's a woman being serp. A woman is playing Serpico. Good, good analogy there. I like that. Yeah, they should retitle the movie. Maybe they'll make more money. All right, there you go. Is there anybody? Is there a name star in this movie, or is this somebody who just an actress you're unfamiliar? You know what? I, it, it's it's somebody who I think I've seen before, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what her name was to be. You know, it's sort of a throwaway movie. I just went in the middle of the day and saw it. Um, you'll have to look that one up. I, I just don't have it handy. Okay, well, that's great. I can't wait to look that up and not see it. <laughs> yeah, given, right. Given your review. All right. <laughs> Thanks, David. Appreciate it. See you guys. David Schuster, <clears throat> Shoe Mouse. Black and Blue stars Naomi Harris and Mike Coulter and Frank Grillo. 
And David Schuster gives it a firm a meh. meh. <laughs> a firm, we both went incredibly there. solid meh. meh. There you go. IMDb agrees with a 5.5. This hour oh. of The Score is brought to you by Zappolis and Associates in Mokina. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, uh, we, have, um, we have Chris Bryant's uh, ideas. We have Garrett Cole hate. We have... Some other things we'll talk in advance of Mark Gonzalez talking Cubs with us at 1240. Spiegel's got some things he wants to say and will say it on Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This reminder, after our show, if we survive our show, if we don't cost the station its license... We'll talk to Julie DeCarroll, Maggie Hendricks at 1.40. They will begin their show at 2 o'clock. They will be live at Top Golf in Naperville. They'll be there from 2 to 5. Lance Briggs will join them from 2 until 3.30. So stop by, hang out with the score, touch the great Dave Miska. It'll all be there for you at Top Golf. Julie, Maggie, Lance. And the master of all knowledge, Dave Miska. Rosenblum and Spiegel with you on Saturday Suckage. We still have some World Series stuff to talk about, some free agency upcoming and trade stuff. We'll talk to Gonzo at um, twelve forty about the Cubs. He's got an idea for a Chris Bryant trade. Yeah. So specific one? Yeah, we'll go over it with Gonzo nice. then. But the the idea of Bryant here and going to are going to the arbitrator to see whether he's a cub for one more year or two more years. Insane. Which would change the value the, so much. It's crazy. So if, if we're, we went into this off season knowing that one of the core four was going to be dealt, right? Bryant, Baez, Rizzo, Contreras. I think so. You can't deal any of them if you don't know about Bryant because you, you depending if you, what have you dealt Baez and then Bryant was declared he only has one more year under Cubs control. Then where are you? And the same would be true if, if you dealt Contreras. You'd be you'd have catchers traditionally have shorter careers. You the 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 arrow tends to point down sooner unless you're Yadier because Yadi is doing some has done some unbelievable things at his advanced age for a catcher, but. You really can't make a move, can you? No, you got to wait. And and there's no hard date that the decision will be announced, released. It, you know, the Cubs will know anything. Certainly not by the winter meetings. I mean, there's a chance, but there's you're a chance. Certain, you're hoping. But there's all the the arbitrators' deliberations tend to take a long time. Yeah. So what do you think? I think uh, yeah, I think I think they got to wait. So that's and that's a real. That's a real problem because if, as you're dangling everything and trying to figure out everything and see what your value is for a guy like Bryant, um, and obviously what happens to free agents like Josh Donaldson and Anthony Rendon at third base plays a big part in all of that. What the what several teams do with their situations and their impending free agents, um, their possible trades, what those teams do, like the Red Sox with Mookie Betts and other things that are on the uh, on the docket. If you don't have clarity on Bryant, you can't. You can't really get your offseason started at all. Because because the guys you most likely would trade to get the most in return 
suddenly you you find out, oh my god, we might need them for shorter unless unless they make a move no matter what, which mm-hmm. kind of will give you a, a greater indication of what they really think their window is. And the hiring of David Ross, who has well, we want to get away from 2016, but we want to bring back this guy who was central to 2016. Whatever messages were being sent there, and I don't want a puppet, but I'm getting a puppet, and you don't want to mess with David Ross because my puppet will bite your puppet kind of thing. <laughs> and I don't doubt that the sergeant-at-arms mentality and and David, you know, David Unity, um, the big group hug, the kumbaya, the Cubs kumbaya – is a part of whatever he's going to do there. However, I think I think you make. I'm still not sure what the window is, and I always thought the window was up till 2021 for this group. But now there seems to be that reckoning. You want to go through with it anyways? Is it going to be put on hold? You know, the Cubs are not hamstrung for spending money other than what they don't want to spend. There's nothing against that. How much more? Do you want to spend when you are billionaires and you've turned, you've turned? It's become Ricketsville. You're Rick- playing Rickett Ricketsopoly over there. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Need it. Got it. I got. You, you're making money off everything that goes through there. He said it this week on the score. He was Tom on Ricketts, the score, and he said uh, he said the correlation between spending and winning is not really where it's at. You got to spend well, yada yada. Kept talking about that, but he said really, if you want to win consistently, you need to develop and you need to draft. Mm-hmm. And that's the owner pointing at drafting and development and pointing at the front office and saying, you guys haven't done this part well. And you know what? He's right. Yes, he could spend more. He could have spent more last offseason. Maybe getting Kimbrell in January instead of July means that they win the division. Um, yes, a move that was recommended by your new Cubs manager. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, he's he's not wrong about the the drafting. I mean, you look around, and the reason the Nationals are loaded is is because of Juan Soto for cheap, Victor Robles for cheap, Trey Turner for cheap. Then you can go out and spend money on Patrick Corbin. Go out and spend money on other guys. The the constant steady flow. Jordan Alvarez is your rookie of the year, costing the Astros nothing. Carlos Correa is still arbitration eligible. All those kind of young guys, you know that that steady flow of young drafted talent is how you stay good, if not great, for a long, long, long time. The idea was, and I thought the Cubs did it the right way, and it worked for one World Series. Is you draft the bats, you buy or trade for the arms. And there was somebody else. Somebody else had already put in the painful and painstaking R and D on the pitchers, mm-hmm. so you could go swoop them, swoop in and and do that. And you saw the Astros won a world that you know Verlander came there and was was untouchable, and he really thought it could happen again with Garrett Cole. Look what they did, and look where they are, and and the Cubs were. The Cubs could really use Garrett Cole. The Cubs right now could use spending money on Garrett Cole because that staff, which was supposed to be a strength, do you see that as you pointed out? You feared the bullpen a year ago at this time. You feared the bullpen. Mm-hmm. I remember we were talking on this show about that, and you feared that bullpen, and that was a problem. And then the hope was the rotation could carry you farther than that bullpen could blow up. But now, could you have faith in whatever's 
left of that rotation? No, they they need they need a really good top of the top or middle of the rotation pitcher. Need a really good one. I don't think it's going to be Garrett Cole. He's going to make all the money in the world, uh, and I'll be very surprised if it's not an Anaheim. But they definitely need one. That's for sure. But maybe they can trade trade for one. You know, maybe whoever they're going to deal, um, the it'll come back as a pitcher. There's a few different like trade and sign combos that interest me. Such as? If you trade Schwarber, maybe you can sign Nick Castellanos and you move out one kind of hitter for another kind of hitter. Okay. If you trade Contreras, maybe you can sign Yasmani Grandal and you bring in a different kind of hitter and a brilliant catch framer and the best catcher, uh, pitch framer, mm-hmm. uh, um, the best catcher on the market. If you trade... And hurt a rival. Yes. If you trade Bryant, maybe you can make a run at Anthony Rendon or at jo- Josh Donaldson on a short deal. And then, like, if so if you pair one of those signings with the trading, then it opens up the possibilities of what you can get back in the trade. You know, you can restock your farm system or you can get that pitcher for Bryant if that's what you want. Do you think Rendon or Donaldson signs a short deal? Donaldson. Donaldson's old. Donaldson's not, it's not the question I asked. Yeah, Donaldson is, well, he had to settle for a one-year deal last year. Donaldson, I think he's going to get a two-year deal at, at best. This year, Mike Moustakas had to settle for a one-year deal yeah. last year. And, uh, you know, maybe that's a guy you want to think about um, as a third baseman if you were to trade Bryant. But I, I don't think Moustakas is going to get longer than a two-year deal. Once you get uh, to be old enough to... As a position player, you you end up uh, getting screwed out of the of the long term deals. It seems these days. Ooh. I mean, Donaldson did like a bet on himself thing and was great, and is now going to get what a two year deal, maybe three at the most. I don't know. I don't know what the dollars are going to be. That's part of it too, and I don't know how close they get to collusion that that it goes to court again the way it did when when I, I would see Anthony Rendon sign a sign a. Contract for five hundred thousand dollars. Go all <laughs> go Andre Dawson on some team. Here's the thing about Bryant, though. Like, why it's it's time to consider it, if not flat out do it, is because they're finally going to give up on trying to teach some of their talent to be truly, truly great. Like they've had three hitting coaches in three years as we tried to teach these launch Theo angle guys. Theo has been Steinbrenner Jr. with batting coaches. Trying desperately to teach their launch angle guys to be different with two strikes, to be different with men on base, to be more selfless. The B hack Joe always talked. For yeah. all that he didn't for whatever they didn't like about Joe, mm-hmm. that B hack was central to what made them Certainly Rizzo was the best example of that. And what did we just talk about with the Nationals? Yes. Watching the Nationals do that over and over and over. Watching the Red Sox last year do it over and over and over. And Bryant is either unwilling or unable to make that kind of adjustment with two strikes or with men in scoring position. He's, he just is. And if you're Bryant, why you would you? he's uncoachable? I, I don't think he's uncoachable, um, but I think he's committed to what he's doing. He has learned how to hit in the lab of his basement and look what it has done for him. He has been college player of the year, minor league player of the year, rookie of the year, MVP, won a world series is two years away from getting the money that his buddy Bryce Harper just got. Mm -hmm. He's going to get it. Mm -hmm. Why would you change? Why? I, 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 well, from his perspective, your team suggested it for a specific reason. Okay. And that's fine. <laughs> I got other ideas. Let me revert. Let me go back to like, I just have to stay committed to who I am and do what I am. And I, I understand it, but 
if that's what he's going to do and that's what he's going to be, and it's very, very good, but it's not top five player in baseball. It's not right now. And it hasn't been for a few years. Um, I, I am not going to give him $300 million in two years. So if you're not going to give him $300 million you're in You're not going to give him that money because, now, does, does health have something to do with it? A no. recent injury? No? I, I, well, I mean, I guess. You Why aren't you going to give him that money? Because, because I want a guy who's going to have an OPS over one, an OPS around 1.1 sometimes. I want, I, I'll give that money to Trout. I'll give that money to Rendon. Who was unbelievable? Yeah, somebody already gave that money to Trout. Okay, well, somebody given him more. I'd yeah. rather they give that money to Rendon. Yeah. I'd rather they give that money to uh, to Mookie Betts in a year um, when yeah, he's a free just agent. Just because you like saying Mookie. Oh yeah, well I know I love that guy more than more yes. than I I should love most things. But you know, I, I, if I'm them, I, and I don't think they're going to pay Brian in two years. And if you're not going to pay him, then are you just going to do what you did with Arietta and let him go to his ex- the, the, use him to the your most extent and let him walk away? No, you might as well try and deal him right the hell now. But the problem is you don't know whether they you could deal two years of Brian or one year of Brian and that that that's all in the return. So that's why they got to wait. That's why they And that goes wait. for everybody else in the core four, which is where we started this. Do you want to before we uh talk to Gonzo, take a break and talk to Gonzo. Do you uh going to get on with your uh, Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole, Eight. what he did right after the World Series. Uh-huh. I mean, they they just lost the World Series. And he was out there in the bullpen, but he only agreed with A.J. Hinch that he was going to come in if, A, it was a clean inning, and, B, they had the lead. So that was he, – he, he hamstrung his manager. You're only going to use me if you do this. And maybe if if AJ knew he could just go to him at some point, he would have done things differently with Granky or with Will Harris. Do you realize and that kind how of stuff. because of that? Do you realize how small of a window the Nationals had to do what they did right then and there? Only then and there, which is why it should have been Roberto Osuna in that spot and not Will Harris. If well, if that's your spot, and then you're going to close out with Cole, yeah. You know, right. then bring in Osuna mid inning. You need to, you need to get out of it. Bring in Osuna and let him go an inning in a third, and then close out to with get Cole. to a clean inning, Correct. which is what Cole wanted. Correct, and maintain the lead. Yep. Yeah. So that was that's so I don't necessarily fault Inch for taking out Granky, who was starting to show some some weakness and some vulnerability, but I, it should have been Osuna, not Will Harris, because Will Harris gave up was got hit the night before too. So I, I thought he screwed that that way, but. So Garrett Cole limits his manager into what he can do, and then it's about somewhere between three and seven minutes after his team has <laughs> lost the World Series. Okay? Give or take. Somewhere between three and seven minutes, he is wearing a Boris Corp hat. Uh-huh. Not an Astros hat. Not mm-hmm. anybody else's hat. He's wearing a Boris Corp hat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Mike, what, what is the context of, of the bit that you pulled from, uh, from Garrett Cole right after the, after the game? Well, what you were looking for, he actually, like, the video is so hard to tell what he's actually saying. Yeah. He's obviously telling the PR that he's unemployed and he doesn't want to do the postgame interview. But what I grabbed yeah, was P- what they asked PR, him during that interview. Yeah, PR asked him to go out and, and talk to the to the media, to do the Astros PR, and, and he said, he said uh, I, I would go out there representing myself, not the Astros. I would go out there representing myself because he's a free agent already. Because he's his own team. Jackass. And then he, <laughs> he ends up going and talking to the media, and this is some of Garrett Cole. The chances of coming back here? I don't know. 
the Would experience you like to? of winning. I've made that clear already. Yeah, he's not. Um, he, he talked about how much fun he had as an Astro past tense. Uh, I'm not an employee of the team. Talked about, uh, you know, who knows where I'll be next year. Talked about it at, like in the past tense. You just freaking lost the World Series. What a what a jerk. My God. Yeah, well, made quite an impact on him. You could see he was really moping about the chance to make $250 million. Well, yeah, he's going to go get it somewhere. But he, and he was just talking in past tense about everything he learned there and everything like that. Like, dude, how about just take a breath with everybody? Well, but he no. didn't take it that hard, I guess. No. All right. No. So, yeah, I... Uh, uh, Garrett Cole will be somewhere, and and that would be fine. But I, I what if he, he wouldn't were to play be a for cub? me? He wouldn't play for me. Well, okay. Well, you're not the guy signing him, but you might be the guy rooting for him or talking about him on Chicago Airwaves. What if the Cubs did buy him? He's 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 good. He's very very good. <laughs> <laughs> very very a, good. That's the kind of analysis people come to Saturday Suckage for. Garrett Cole, good. All right. Let's see if Mark Gonzalez agrees. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Gonzo and talk Brian, trades, Cubs stuff. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. The greatest walk-up music in Saturday Suckage history. And now the man who chose that walk-up music, Mark Gonzalez, joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. And upon the Bears losing in London, I got an email from Mark Gonzalez <laughs> that said, the autumn wind is a raider. <laughs> that's, what, that's all the email said. Gonzo, how are you? I wish I was feeling as well as I did that day, but uh, hey, it could be worse, right? I'm I'm sorry. Why are you feeling badly? Oh, just they haven't won since. They've played terrible. They let a game get away in in Houston uh, last uh, Sunday. They, they should have won, but hey, we all we have to wear it at some point, right? <laughs> no, if you're Matt Nagy, you don't wear it unless it's Matt, Mitch Trubisky's fault. Then you wear it because it's Mitch's fault because he's too fragile to handle it. So, anyways, let's talk. Cubs. Gonzo covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. And there are several things. One is that um, I wanted to talk to you about you've, you've, you've played fantasy baseball owner and you've ginned up a trade idea in your mailbag and, uh, for Chris Bryant. So share with the class what you wrote I and just why. Put, you know, people, you know, there, there's certain holes they got to fill. 
I think that we're all in agreement on that. But one scenario I threw out there was, would you be willing, assuming that you have two years of control with Chris, would you move him to the, the amazing Mets for Syndergaard, who's got two years left? Uh, Brandon Nimmo, who was banged up last year, but has pretty good uh, on-base uh, average and has some upside and, and a prospect. Yes. <laughs> Spiegel says yes, That's so it's it, a it's, done deal. It's interesting. Well, Syndergaard, I mean, Syndergaard obviously has the potential to be completely top shelf, you know. Uh, I do. Or completely shelved. Uh, but but top of the rotation, just flat out dude, and give your, your new Cubs pitching infrastructure a chance to maximize him the way other, way you've, they did it with Arietta, and other teams have done it with other guys. And Nimmo's, Nimmo's an interesting Interesting dude. Um, banged up. They've got a lot of outfielders. You think they'd give you Conforto instead? Uh, and I don't think so. No, That's probably, how about Alonzo? Will they give him the Spiegel yeah, too? No. But, but but they've got outfielders. That's interesting. Does that does that kind of package make sense in terms of what you think the value is out there, Mark? Um, I, I, I think it depends who that prospect is as, as well. You know, there's going to be a lot of moving parts. And I know Theo... Um, told your guys uh, about about how aggressive they're going to be. I believe them. Um, and there's other guys in play as well in terms of uh, who do you move to get a guy who makes contact, hit at the top of the order. Um, you also need more than just Syndergaard to, to really uh, fortify this rotation because, you know, let's face it, there's going to be some decisions coming up. You know, John Lester's probably entering the last year of his contract here. I think he's got to pitch 230 innings to – have that option vest. I'm not sure that's going to happen. And then, you know, Jose Quintana, uh, if they pick up the option this year, I think he's got one left or he's a free agent, one, one or the other. But big decisions coming up, and um, you're going to need some frontline uh, guys or at least guys with potential uh, coming up very quickly. Talking baseball, talking Cubs with Mark Gonzalez of the Tribune. We were discussing earlier, and maybe I'm missing something, but – it was my contention that while the Cubs have to wait for the arbitrator to render a decision on Bryant, whether he the Cubs have control for two years or only one, that doesn't just impact their ability to trade Bryant, but it would impact their ability to trade any of the other core four because you would you would normally make that move and know you'd have the other three if that's what you were going to do, and now you might not do that. Or is there something else at play here? Did I miss something that that Bryant that that won't ham- they won't be hamstrung by Bryant's arbitration ruling. Um, I, th- I think they'll be able to make some moves uh, outside of what the the ruling is. And what do you expect them to be? How how big a move? Because the the, the Bryant or Baez or Contreras or Rizzo move is as big as it would get. So are I, I you think, looking at the Schwarber? Oh, yeah, I was, oh. yeah, I was looking at those those guys in that that kind of service class range. You, see, Schwarber's an interesting one, Gonzo. They've been waiting forever for him to become more of the hitter instead of the slugger. We saw it for a couple of months. Is that enough to make them think he's going to actually still reach that potential? I mean, they, they've they been smitten for so long here. And I'm, I'm with them there. I've been smitten, too, by him. And I think the last month showed encouragement. But do you fall in love based on the final month? Um, and... Does do the needs exceed what he might bring to you? And I think that's the big question. Theo said, 
said something interesting at his end of the year news conference about pay attention to what's what comes back, not what we gave up. And I think that was pretty telling that, hey, we're going to do whatever it takes to shore our polls, regardless of how, how much these guys contribute in past years. Hmm. We're talking with Mark Gonzalez, talking Cubs here on The Score. Gonzo covers the Cubs for the Tribune. You made a, a, a note that I'd say from a couple weeks ago. I just hadn't realized that Bryant against the Cardinals and Brewers batted 227, two home runs and nine RBIs. That's combined against their two biggest rivals. I hadn't realized that, and that's... That's not something, I don't know, I assume it's going to change. Maybe it's a one-off. You put it in there for a reason. Um, what, what were those reasons, and what do you, how do you think that would play out should he be around next season? I, I, you know, the Cardinals, it just seemed like they pitched him really, really tough, but I looked at, I expanded a little more just to say, you know, give it, put it in perspective as, okay, who else has pitched him tough? And then, boom, Brewers. I thought, wow, this is, this is kind of... Uh, Revealing, I think it speaks to a couple of things, but I think one thing that stands out most is uh, the preparation of those two teams and, and just how much they're determined to not let him beat, beat them. But That's the one thing that stands out. But I also think the, the, uh, uh, some of the things that, you know, Chris is not perfect, be the first to say that, and, and I think sometimes these teams do a better job exploiting his weaknesses than others. We were talking about his coachability earlier, and I don't know if this speaks to that as well as his willingness to adapt. Speaks was pointing out that that he's not a hack kind of guy necessarily, and this is what might this this might work against him. The guy who has been his own, you know, his dad or his own batting coach is the batting lab that he had. Do you think that plays into this? Yeah, I, I think a little bit of it does. Um, but there's ways you can you still keep your true swing and, and still hit to the opposite field. It's just, I think it's just a matter of him uh, tighten up the strike zone. I think we've all seen him chase sliders out of the zone, pitches that he can lay off, and then if they try to nibble, then drive that pitch to right field. Uh, the other thing is avoiding getting behind two strikes. Mm-hmm. That would be the other uh, area. <laughs> just to clarify, don't, get, don't go on two. Yeah, I, I just, <laughs> Gonzo, I keep coming back to him. As, as the person that makes sense to deal for a wide variety of reasons. But even just, just think about it offensively. They've said it themselves, too. They've become too easy to game plan against. And people know how to get Bryant. They, they know how to get him, and he hasn't changed a lot. And if you're him, why change? It's been working well enough, and you're two years away from a payday. If you just keep rolling the way you are, you're going to be fine. I just, it, you know, they've got to change something within that core and and he makes the most sense to me when when they talk about their frustration. Well, I think there's there's more than just that. I just the 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 thing now when you guys talked about it earlier was just you look at the the the, the certainty of of how long you have these guys, and it's only going to be two years max. And let's be realistic; he's probably going to want that big payday. He's entitled to, to, to seek that as well as Javi, and. Um, I just think that, it, you know, the bottom line is they've tried to extend both guys in the past. It hasn't worked. And I think they feel probably now that, okay, if we have to move one guy, who's it going to be? And I'm, I'm not going to speak for him, but if it's me, it's probably going to be Chris just because um, you could get a lot from right now. I think they could – it's easier to, f- to, f- to fill Chris's spot from a uh, 
kind of the simple things. You know, get a guy who can catch and throw at third, uh, drive in, drive in, you know, 70 runs rather than move Javi, then God, you have this big hole there because the guy is so rangy. He's got a strong arm. He's, he's so rangy and, and, and he hits for power. How many shortstops like that hit for power? It's a pretty tough one to replace. Yeah, I think Javi ends up being more valuable than Chris when you really look at yeah. the face of it uh, to what your team is. Um, Gonzo, I was trying to explain to people why why Tim Buss, losing Tim Buss was, was a big deal or will be a big deal to some players. And, you know, he's just he's a very electric personality, he's super fun. Rizzo wears a T-shirt with Tim Buss's face on it half the time that I've ever been in the locker room. Um, but like, man, if, if they're going for culture change there, then uh, removal of, of Tim Buss is part of uh, the, that culture that will end up changing. Yes. And it's a very scary area. He's more than just a guy who dresses up in, in green suits and wears top hats or drives a sports car out on the field. Um, I've seen a couple times where, you know, away from the ballpark at like 10 a.m. in the morning, he's uh, supervising these guys' workouts, you know, with Rizzo specifically and addressing uh, the back issue and all that. He, they're getting after it, you know, 10 a.m., the, the noon, and not just Rizzo. It's a few other guys as well. Um, those are some of the things behind the scenes uh, that Tim does quite a bit. I mean, it, it, medical staffs, you know, in general, the training staffs, those guys are around the clock. If somebody's back flares up at 3 a.m. And, and or they got a bad mattress in the hotel um it, the the training staff's up there right away taking care of a back spasm or whatever but uh bussy it went the extra yard all the time that uh helped these guys and i can only think of one guy who kind of tried to throw him under the bus i think it was will omen and and his players the players came to bussy's defense hmm. gonzo thanks for your time we appreciate it Take care, guys. The autumn wind is Mark Gonzalez. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> Thank you, God. Gonzo. That's Mark Gonzalez of the Tribune talking Cubs. We're going to talk Bears. Take a break. We'll come back with Mark Potash of the Sun-Times. Uh, we'll talk with Julie and Maggie uh, in about uh, 40 minutes or so. They will be broadcasting at Top Golf in Naperville from 2 to 5. Lance Briggs will be out there from 2 to 3.30. Stop by. Touch the great Dave Miska. This segment is brought to you by Valparaiso University. The satisfaction that comes with living to your full potential is immeasurable. It's a quality of life that Valparaiso University graduates enjoy every day. At Valpo, your full potential receives our total commitment. Visit valpo.edu to request information, apply, or schedule a visit. Talking Bears next on Saturday Suckage. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.